Shout out to the mighty Who That Nation, man. We up in this thing, Sports Coma, representing in this piece. Much love to the family, like I've been saying for some time now. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're now rocking with Sports Coma with Big Q and the guys, where we have intense, entertaining, educating, and enlightening sport talk from your favorite sports fam. Fam, what's popping? How y'all doing, fam? Appreciate y'all for being in this midweek edition of The Coma. Saints midweek wrap up. Well, we got a few things to talk about tonight. Won't keep you guys for long. We'll go over several videos. We'll go over some articles. We'll get right down to it. So shout out to the fan. Appreciate each and every last one of you guys for being here. Uh, Please do me a service and hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. By all means, feel free to share the show on your social media feed. It helps us out greatly. Kai, shout out to my guy, Kai. Shout out to you. Appreciate you, brother. Pete, how you doing, sir? Appreciate you. Brother Prime is in this thing. Much love. K-Man, what's happening? Brother Judah's in this thing. Shout out to my queens. Dana, much love. Antoinette, how you doing, baby? Appreciate you as well. Sky was popping. Brother Ramon's in this thing. Much love to everybody, man. Thank you all for joining me for this episode of the stream. So as you can see, we open up the broadcast with an overall view of what Dennis Allen's head coaching career is statistically what's up princess how you doing and you can see right there man straight up what time it is raiders schedule four and 12 four uh four and 14 oh and four saints 2022 several years later seven and ten 2023 seven and seven as it stands right now and of course you can see he had really a lot of success in 2020 and more success than he's ever had in terms of being a coach Never won seven games before prior to last year. And of course, this is what it looks like this year as seven and seven. So anyway, shout out to the rest of the fam. Dre Day, infamous OG Jerry. Shout out to you. Good to see you, brother. Quavadius is in this thing. Much love to everybody. Just giving you guys a little vantage point (laughs) of what his schedule looks like. His coaching career 
up to this point. And I, I often ask myself, what possessed Mickey Loomis to look at this guy and say this guy could be a coach? I just don't get it. But anyway, let's jump right into it, fam. Let's get right into the first injury report of the week. Wednesday injury report. 10 Saints players listed on this injury report for week 17 against the Bucks. You got uh, a few things going on with that. You got Jordan Howden, who's not injury related, dealing with an illness. He did not practice. Lonnie Johnson Jr. has a knee issue. Ryan Ramchek also is dealing with a knee issue. Isaiah Foskey is a quadricep. He is limited. Jimmy Graham had some rest. I don't understand why Jimmy Graham needs rest. He rarely plays. And when he does play, he gets a handful of snaps. So I know he in that he ain't that in bad of shape. I mean, this guy just said he was on the damn bicycle, you know, doing these long ass marathons. So I don't know how much rest he could possibly get. Would he be using them for? I, I just don't know. Camp Jordan ankle limited. Eric McCoy has a foot issue. He's limited. Kendra Miller an ankle. Chris Olave's an ankle, and Peyton Turner dealing with a toe. So anyway, that's some of them. Their guys. Tampa Bay nothing of great renown, except for Shaq Barrett's pretty good linebacker with a groin issue. He was shut down. Carlton Davis had a concussion. He's one of their cornerbacks there. He was DMP'd. Uh, Cole Keft, who's a tight end shoulder issue, was DMP. Wide receiver Rakeem Jarrett was fully practiced. And defensive interiorman Mike Green had a calf issue. He fully practiced for the Buccaneers. So we're going to try to get Brother James to come in here. Later on in the week, we'll do a preview stream of the Bucks and Saints matchup. Uh, for this up for week 17, man, a lot of football. We only have two games remaining, man, in this NFL regular season for the black and gold. Here's a look at the standings right now in the NFC South. As you can see, Tampa Bay feeling pretty good about themselves. They're on a four game winning streak, four and one of the last five contests. They're doing pretty good. They're four and three at home, but have been playing a lot better. They're playing really confident football. They're peaking at the right time. Atlanta, seven and eight. They were able to get a win last week. They pushed the Saints back down to third place, who's seven and eight, and the Saints can't seem to get it right. So, like I said, we, we've covered this before, man, and it's just unfortunate uh, at how they just, just squander these resources, squander opportunities, squander uh, time. They just time-wasting uh, just people just just waste so much time it's ridiculous and at the NFC race you can see the Niners who got blasted by the Ravens they're still a top team right there by the Eagles the Lions the Cowboys all about the Bucks in fourth place that are in the Hunt teams the Rams Seahawks are there and then in the on the bubble teams the Vikings Packers and third behind them are the Saints and they got the Falcons right up under the Saints I don't know why that is the case because really Falcons should be above the Saints but I don't know if this is a uh, issue at all, but I think the Falcons should uh, be above the Saints. So at least somebody's showing them some love here. Uh, and this is just what it is, man. All right. So anyway, let's keep it pushing, man, because we got a lot to talk about. Let's go into this one. Shout out to Kat Terrell over at ESPN. She did a wonderful article that kind of just broke down and said a lot of the stuff that we were saying. Saints and win must win mode as playoff chances are thinning. Two games is all they got. So I highlighted a portion of the article that I wanted to go over. I have an opportunity or really the time to go over all of this stuff. But this is what I highlighted. Saints 7 and 8 have to win out to have a shot at making the postseason. Even that won't guarantee them a spot. They'll need to beat Tampa Bay and Atlanta and hope some other things fall their way as well. So this is true. 
This is true. Like people thinking we are, we just win and we in uh, a few more things have to happen. Coach Dennis, Dennis Allen was asked if it was safe to say the playoffs start this week. He didn't confirm that thinking, but did say the Saints need to be at their best. I think it's safe to say we need to go out and win this week. That's the only thing we really we really control. So any of those other variables, it is in somebody else's hands, but we control how we play this week. So we need to go out and play really well against Tampa Bay. And this type of rhetoric that we would have loved to hear several weeks ago when everything was in your hands. And this is like, you know, this is the, this is what we call justice, right? This is karma. This is the law of karma. Like if you go out and you half-ass everything, you have shitty practices, even though you lie and say they're hall of fame practices, or we've been hell. We had great practices, but great practices in translate into a seven and eight team. I've never heard them come out and say, Oh, you know what? We've had a really tough practice. We really need to. Every practice is great. All these games they go into, they stink, they stumble, they bumble, they fall around. They look like the three stooges sometimes. And then they look like gangbusters at other times, which is why I came up with the rock group entitled dysfunctional dynamite, because that is exactly what happens. And I was making light of it, but really the truth of the matter is, is that's exactly what the saints are. They're like the, 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 the messed up, um, bull crap, uh, just uh, tore up dynamite that Wiley coyote handles, you know, when he's trying to throw it at the road runner and it blow, you know, it don't blow up when he throws it at him. It blows up when he goes and say, why that didn't blow? He goes over there and it blows up in his face. <laughs> it don't make no sense why that would happen. But this is the thing, you know, this is what these guys do. They are severely dysfunctional. Seven and eight. They've had a lot of their players for the duration of the year. And this is what they turn into. They turn into the rock group, the eighties failed rock band, which is really wasn't a rock band. It's just something I created called dysfunctional dynamite. The members of dysfunctional dynamite, a slick Mickey, sneaky Pete, check down Charlie and DA answerless. So yeah, this is dysfunctional dynamite. <laughs> no hits are coming. So don't even try to wait for this bullshit album because it's not coming anytime soon. And they probably going to get canned before they get gone. So anyway, anyway, so anyway, let's finish this up fam. All right. So anyway, Tampa Bay eight and seven can clinch the NFC South title for the third straight season with a win against the saints on Sunday. And might I add, this is a Tampa Bay team that is with, that is without Tom Brady. This team was supposed to be the worst team in the NFC South. They are uh, poised to win this division. They, uh, a, let me say that again, a Tampa Bay team without Tom Brady led by Baker Mayfield is there and stink. Well, I ain't gonna say the man stinks because he playing like a world beater. His numbers are way better than Derek Carr's number. You would think that there, that Baker's numbers should be Derek Carr's numbers, how the saints were galvanizing talent around Carr. He was supposed to be the last piece of some immaculate puzzle. That was going to be something special. And it wasn't because it's not totally on all on Carr. It's on the guys above him. And what really hurts Carr's play is he's just a player. But the coaches can really bring out the best of these guys and make them a lot better if they address what's really wrong with these guys and not sugarcoat and protect them. Dennis Allen doesn't do Derek Carr any service by protecting him. He doesn't criticize him when he stinks, but then then gives him comeuppance when he wins. And I said this. I said that's, that's inconsistent, bullshit, hypocrisy, like very hypocrisy. That's just a state of hypocrisy. There it is. Very hypocritic. 
uh, bullshit behavior by Dennis Allen. Yeah, I mean, just just totally ridiculous. If you're going to give them comeuppance or give them credit, then you also have to give them the blame, too. But when it comes down to giving blame, it's the it's the team's fault that we have to play better in all aspects. No, no, no. If the offense plays better and the offense scores 21 points a game or, twenty, you know, give 21 points a game, that most of these games the Saints will win and the defense will then feed off the offense. Very, just a state of hypocrisy with Dennis Allen. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He don't even see it. And the coaches around Dennis Allen, I mean, Derek Hart, need to be fired too because they are not pointing out his game. They're trying to script plays for him. They know what he, they know his problems. And instead of trying to get him to see the field and play better, what they do is they try to script plays around how he's doing things that you can't do that because it's dysfunctional. You're not going to win that way. And as you can see, the team is not responding. And there is a riff in the team organization. We know about the stuff dealing with LaShawn, LaShawn Lattimore. It's not official, but we know about the stuff with Mike. We're dealing with Mike Thomas when he said what he said, and then they then they deleted their tweet. Remember all of that? And that's not hard to tell. You know why? It's not like I'm standing in the middle of the locker room while they're pushing on each other trying to say, man, you need to do this better, man, when that's what happened with teams, when they visibly frustrated to the point where the wide receivers are getting arrested for stuff that they don't. Them, them guys never been arrested for nothing, man. They never been problem people. But then all of a sudden, Dennis Allen's here. You got this guy getting arrested. This other guy's speeding. You got both your starting wide receivers at one point or another was arrested. Just outright, just frustration all over the place. So, yes, there is the divide and split among the team. You can see it. You can see how they play. You can see how they play. So it's not, and we said that, man, yeah, them half the guys, they want them, and half the guys don't want them. You can see it. And what makes it because they – you have to be able to put these people in positions to win. And when you show this type of BS flip floppy behavior what Dennis Allen does, and he comes out and he says the stuff about everybody else needs to play better. He refuses to criticize Carr. I have to criticize Carr. I have to call out all of Carr's flaws. The fact that he's staring down the field, the left side of the field, that he don't cycle through progressions. It's the same old stuff I see every week because he does the same old thing. It's not like he's doing different things. He does the same dysfunctional football bullshit every game. And they are not fixing it. They're trying to scheme around it. And that's stupid. Fix them or get them out of here. Bottom line. It's the same with Dennis Allen. That's the type of straight face approach that you have to have. You have to have that type of approach if you're serious about winning games. It's just what it is. And I don't have any uh, problem with Derek Carr as a person. I just think, like I said, I'm calling him out as a player. And I know players on that team that want to win, that know that this team has a window to win. And the next two games that they got to win, I mean, listen, man, to me, from a karma standpoint, the Saints don't deserve anything. They don't deserve to go anywhere. They're going to try to, if they, they had the season in hand, when they lost a minute, when they when they lost to Minnesota and had the bye week, they had plenty of time to come out and make changes to the offense, personnel, all of that. Dennis Allen did nothing. He kept doing the same thing. He needs to be fired. Don't think for a second he's gonna change something different now. Why didn't he make those decisions decisions then? Now all of a sudden the sky is falling. We knew the sky was falling six plus weeks ago because it's not hard to tell. But when you got people that's non-progressive dinosaurs sitting on top of the team pretending like they know what they're doing where everybody can see the world around them is burning, except for them, they got to go. It's time for you to go. You don't have it no more. You don't have it no more. Get your ass up out of here. So anyway, 
Tampa Bay eight and seven. They clinched the NFC t- uh, title without that's without Tom Brady. That's Baker Mayfield leading this team. The only scenario for us is to make the playoffs. Is we have to win out the last two. You have to win if you want to have any chance. That's what center Eric McCoy said. The same center, and I and I got love for Eric McCoy. He's one of my favorite guys on this team for real. Super cool dude. But listen, it ain't about that. It's about your play. And McCoy spends so much time on the ground. I think he's trying to become a goddamn gardener. That's what I think. I think McCoy spends so much time on the ground. I think he's trying to study. Uh, 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 he's trying to find lithium in the ground. He's trying to mine for resources on the da- in the damn ground. That's how McCoy. I mean, it's just ridiculous, man. It's really bad. So anyway, Buccaneers have beaten the Saints in their last three meetings. The last three, including the 26-9 victory in week four when the Saints failed to score a touchdown, offensively speaking. By the way, for your recollection, he was not, uh, Dennis Allen did not criticize Carr in that game. He did not criticize him with the pick six. Didn't call it out, said it was a team thing. But in the end, it is what it is. All right. So anyway, shout out to the fan. Appreciate y'all being here. Brother Prime says, type car sucks on YouTube. And <laughs> boy, they got a million videos with, uh, what's his face? Car sucks. Car stinks. Uh, used car for sale. I seen that one. A dude rigged up a jersey and had a used car for sale. That was pretty funny, man. <laughs> but like I said, man, a really good coach can come in and can help the Saints win games. They really could. A good coach can, or he really can, because a good coach is going to make sure Carr irons, you know, irons out the wrinkles in his game. That's when it comes down to. And that's all it is. He can help, and I know a lot of guys don't like Carr. I get it. You know, but in the end, a really good coach could fix some of the discrepancies in this game and Another thing is to give him a running attack. It is one of the worst things I've seen from an offensive standpoint outside of Dennis Allen, P. Carmichael, Derek Carr, is the Saints running attack. That is, to me, one of the worst things that I've seen this season. You have Elvin Kamara and Jamal Williams together. Do you not understand how potentially great that combination could be? They are, Jamal has like 200-something yards rushing with zero touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. Zero. Last year, even though he started last year, he had 18 rushing touchdowns and led the NFL. He comes to the Saints. He barely has 200 yards rushing. Now, he missed a few games, but in the games where the Saints do run Jamal, he's not even he two, two yards a carry, three yards a carry. And, McC- and Elvin's get this. He, he does a little bit better, which teaches the fact that the offensive line for the Saints stink. How could you have Elvin and Jamal Williams and not have a decent running game that you would need to take into each one of these games to take the pressure off of a garbage time car play? You got to have the running attack. You got to score some kind of weight. So if you take the ball out of Carr's hands, put it in your running attack, you have a chance. Then you minimize his ability in it. Like, like I said, keep his reps, his snaps down. Saints have no indication of stopping that at all. They, ju- they continue to do the same stuff over and over again. But brother prom thank you for that bro appreciate appreciate you there all right uh thank you mr mel says excellent commentary as usually happy holidays now thank you mr melvin appreciate you, sir appreciate you sir much love to you my brother mr mel much love sir thank you brent says we up in this thing shout out to you brent as well and he also says well now listen hold on now yeah that's right now listen i think we got the right possum in the building <laughs> yes hold on now hold on now hold on I think we got the right possible. I mean, man, in the building, I'm telling you something. I know, I know, I I know. You don't know. I know. I'm the general manager. 
I'm the vice president of uh, a football operation. I, I know. I know. Oh, I, yes, indeed. I know. Thank you, Brett. Appreciate you. Brother Curl says there's a universe where we hire Doug Peterson. <laughs> yes, it's a multiverse. But we hired all of these different dudes, bro. Yeah, you know, we hired Doug, Dougie Peterson was the first dude the Saints interviewed for the head coaching job. The first dude. The next, I think the next interview was with Jacksonville and they hired him. Saints didn't have an opportunity to call him back, but they wasn't serious anyway. So, all right. He says, well, we hired Dougie P and signed Baker Mayfield. We chose the dark future. Instead, Loomis needs to fire DA to save his legacy. I really don't think Mickey Loomis cares much about that legacy, to be honest with you. I think he believes that his legacy is safe after 20 something odd years of being here. All the success that was underneath would he happen, but he don't think that would damage his legacy. But really, it does to a to a great degree. And I'll tell you why. The reason why it damages Mickey Loomis's general, his uh, his legacy as a GM is because when Sean Payton was taken out of here, you can see what kind of general manager Mickey Loomis was. He wasn't really like a real, like true general manager. A true, a true general manager will be there peeking in to make sure everything is straight, right? And he didn't have to do that too much with Sean Payton because Sean Payton had certain a lot of attributes that Dennis Allen simply lacked. So he didn't have to peek in him at peak with him or peek in on him as much as he would do a Dennis Allen. But Dennis Allen has a reputation of not being a very good head coach, which means that if he hired him, he would have to evaluate him more so than he would a Sean Payton. Now, after his seven and 10 year, Mickey Loomis should have got a lot more aggressive and him questioning him and forcing him, prodding him and pushing him to make changes. Even when you see that, Changes need to be made to the offense. Mickey Loomis did not force Dennis Allen to do it. He let him run the team however he wanted, even if it meant into the, the iceberg and down at the bottom of the drink, which is totally stupid. You don't do that. You don't sit there on your backside while the team is falling through the floor and just do what you do. I'm the VP and just stay away from the team and pretend like you have no power and you watching the game like me or you watching the game. No, you're you the general manager, general manage some shit, general manage to get Dennis Allen to change some plays or change some people up in the offense. You have the power to do that. You're not just watching it like I'm watching the game. You have power to make Dennis Allen change something. That's what I'm talking about. And it does damage because it appears that Mickey Loomis, all he was was a it was an expensive gopher. For Sean Payton, he told him, go get this, go get that, go get this, go get that. And then what Mickey did that really would make him a person to be remembered is how he was able to finagle and create these phantom year deals and do all this funny money and his creative can cooking a uh, kicking that he did. When he would just simply have inventive ways of kicking the can down the road. And I could tell you who saved his ass on that. That was uh, 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 Ireland, Jeff Ireland was a dude that really saved him on that because Jeff Ireland hit on a lot of these damn uh, trades and drafts that he had that brought that the team was able to bring into with their, their veteran core and help prevent the saints from having to hit the reboot button. The reboot button is when you hit, when you flop out on draft picks and when you don't hit on free agents. So they did a good job of hitting in the, in the draft on players. And then you had a Demario Davis's and you were able to underpin them with young, good talent. And that saved you from suffering a hundred million dollars in this can kicking mentality that he had. He got away with that. So if anything, that's the spotlight to Mickey's legacy, but it just goes to show you that he was nothing but an expensive goal for Sean Payton. 
look how he looks now with a coach that he actually has to do some work on. He don't want to do anything. Then he gets mad at you for telling him to get up off his ass and do his job that he getting paid to do. He don't want to do anything. So anyway, shout out to all y'all guys. Appreciate you for giving all the super chats. This is for you guys. Thank y'all. I want to say thank you. Thank you very much. Picking me up and me back to this All right. What's up, Barbara? Shout out. You can't win. Yes. Yes. Don't make me break it out, Barbara. Don't make me break out the music. Don't make me break out the music. You can't win. And Michael Jackson, he called it, man. We played that a couple of weeks ago. Had people falling out laughing because it's so true. The Saints have a bullshit mentality. That's why they're not winning these games. It's it's as common as that. It's com- it's very commonplace. Why the Saints stink? The Saints stink because they're not taking none of this serious, man. Like I said before, if you're serious about making a change and about doing something to improve what you got going on, you're going to make changes throughout your team. And I'm talking about from an assistant coach level. During the season, you're going to move guys off from doing it like Doug Marone should have been demoted and perhaps Jari Evans should have took the job. Somebody else need to be in there to motivate these offensive linemen for the Saints to block better and play better. Something has to happen. Somebody got to get cursed at. Somebody got to get benched. Somebody should have got signed. Somebody should have got demoted. Something should have happened as opposed to the same bum-ass team rolling out there doing the same crap every game. Some Something should have happened. Nothing happened. That's a, to- that's a telltale sign of a garbage back coach that's over his head. He does nothing. Even though he knows he's supposed to, he does nothing. Twice during the year, people were promoting him. Even the media was asking, any changes coming? No change. He said, yeah, changes going to come. Changes never came. That's why he got to go. He doesn't have the pulse of the team. His team is split down the line. It's just going to get worse. Then you think you're going to improve it by getting rid of the guys that don't like him. Guess what? The guys that don't like him are guys that are core members of the team. And I ain't going to say their names. You already know that. So, in the end, let's go. We're going to go to this interview. Mega Loomis don't want to talk to nobody. He don't want to talk to me. He don't want to talk to nobody else that's that's not going to give him hardball questions. So he'll talk to this clown horse. He'll talk to other people, but he won't talk to nobody else. He won't talk to nobody else and give him the game. That's how I know you're not serious about winning, because if you were serious and your message was strong, you would talk to people outside of your comfort circle and have some game and give them some game. I challenge them all the time to come on here. You could talk to me. I won't say I won't do the Mickey. I won't go, ah, you know, hey, well, Mickey Loomis, welcome to Day Show. I won't do that. I'm gonna keep that, I'm gonna keep that out of the way. It's just gonna be me talking regular. I'm not gonna bust the Mickey. All right, I'm gonna be real professional. But I'm gonna ask you some questions. I'm gonna ask you some questions that you don't want to don't want to answer for. I'm gonna some of the questions I'm gonna ask you would be for number one, what is the exact total? of Dennis Allen's contract and how many years is it? That is a question that I don't understand. Nobody wants to answer. Mike Hoss, you want to redeem yourself for these softballs, this brown nose and ass questions you're doing? How about ask Dennis, I mean, ask Mickey Lomas, how much is Dennis Allen's contract and what is the length of years on it? What is the exact total of his contract? How much money are you paying this man per year and how many years are do you have him under contract for? I don't know because you did not disclose the numbers of the deal to the public. Just the way the Saints, I mean, the Pelicans and the Smoothie King Center did not disclose the numbers or disclose the numbers of the new naming rights deal that they just had. Smoothie King just signed up another deal to keep their monikers and their names on the buildings for the Pelicans. And by the way, a building that they don't own. 
they've just signed off on another naming rights deal. And guess what? The numbers of the deal are not disclosed to the public, which is, that's awful. That's almost mobster. Like, like you, you, we, we're not going to tell you how much the deal is. Now the last deal was 40 million for 10 years. How much is this one? Is it doubled? Is it 80 million for 10 years? See, this is this. When you start paying attention to stuff like that, and when you start waking up, you start seeing there's an unelected board of people that's sitting on top of the Superdome and the arena and have control of the convention center and how who gave them this power, who told them that he can do this stuff. See, when you start looking at it like that, then things start changing because they're doing all of this because you're not paying attention. But when you start paying attention, all of this changes. You get me? So anyway, we're going to get into this aspect of uh, the show. We're going to play this Mickey Loomis interview. And I don't know if anybody heard this whole Mickey, but we're going to reply to this Mickey Loomis interview. So get your, get your feet, put your feet up, relax, because it might take a few minutes here. We're going to go over this interview, not the entire damn interview, but we're going to go over this interview with, from what they recently did with Mickey Loomis. I think it was today, this interview with Mickey Loomis. Y'all put one in the chat if y'all can hear this, and I will stop it and react periodically. So here we go. Uh, y'all put one in the chat if y'all can hear it. First three orders and delivery in his. We'll have Bob on Thursday, Christmas on Monday. A lot of stuff happening. Mickey, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Bobby, look, I hope you guys had a great Christmas. Um, but yeah, we're ready to uh, get after Tampa this week. Right. So that's kind of where we'll begin. I mean, obviously, two games to play, not mathematically where you wanted to be, but you, you got two games to play. You're still in the conversation. There's still a great deal to play for. All you can do is what you can do with what's in front of you. 